Well, it is great to be back with you. I, I love vacation time, but I love this church. And I am thankful to be here. So I will do my best this morning to attempt to hold it together. I can make no promises. That scripture reference that was written in those Bibles, let the words of my mouth. It's been really heavy on my heart for about the past week and a half. I can't get away from it. Before I go into that, I want to tell you a story about a man named Fred. This man named Fred was a motivated self-starter, type of man that did not need a honeydew list to do things around the house, much like all the men in this church. One day, Fred was doing his work in the yard, and his wife had gone to the store in order to purchase an outfit for an upcoming wedding. As Fred was working, he received a text. It was a photo. It was a photo of his wife, and she was trying on an outfit. Below that photo, there was this question, does this outfit make me look big? Fred, in godly wisdom, answers through Siri, no. Siri, in the way Siri does things, Siri changed the N in no to an M. He answered back, moo. God (laughs) bless Fred, wherever he may be. Rest in peace, sir. It is important to note that words have weight. I know, I didn't dad joke that. That's really how it was written. Words have weight. The average man, it is said, he speaks 13,000 words in a day. It is also said that the average woman speaks 20,000 words. It is my opinion that those extra 7,000 words are her repeating to her husband what he did not listen to the first time. I learned as we were flying that the TSA checkpoint when you travel with young people can be a tense place, right? Because words have weight, and kids can say things in a TSA line that can make you really nervous, right? So I learned that in the TSA line, words matter. But what I'm coming to figure out the more that I live is that words matter everywhere. That verse, Psalm 19:14, the complete verse, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We've heard that one quite a bit, but the verse right before it says, keep your servant also from willful sins that they may not rule over me. The Bible is very clear in James chapter 3 that the tongue can have great control over us. When I was reading this, I was thinking about the fact that it is no coincidence that the God of the universe spoke things into existence. It's no coincidence that he would speak. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. It is no coincidence that he used words to do the impossible. It was a testament not only to his power, but I feel like it was a statement to us to say, what you say has power. Made in his image. No, I'm not standing here saying I can speak universes into existence. But what I can say is that as a child of God, I know that there is power in the words that we speak. There can be ripple effects and there can be tsunamis from the things that we say. John 15, 16 lets me know that I didn't choose God. He chose me and he appointed me. 
so that I may go and I may bear fruit, so that whatever you ask in my name, it says there at the bottom, the Father will give you. When we speak in Jesus' name, there is power. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The power that we speak in has nothing to do with us. It has to do with whom we serve. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer, that verse says. In the amplified version, it doesn't say strength. It says rock. That rock meaning something immovable. As a human, my tendency can be to ebb and to flow with how I'm feeling sometimes. But that immovable rock, it is time for us as the family of God to begin speaking from a source which doesn't move. It is time for me to speak from a foundation that doesn't move. We often hear Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, it says. That's, that's big stuff. The verse right before it says, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips, he shall be filled. Words spoken with godly wisdom fill people up and give them life. Words spoken outside of God are empty words that empty people. As believers, we can so easily begin to make a list of sins. You ever notice that? We can make a list and we can say what we think is the worst down to what we think is not so bad. And what's funny, when we make those lists as Christians, often the sins that we commit are left off of the list or they're really far down and not so bad. Have you ever noticed that? But I feel like God, during my personal time, is challenging me in a way to say, if you're going to start judging, start by judging every word that comes out of your mouth. That's like 13,000 opportunities a day, it sounds like. Ephesians 4.29 says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That word corrupt, when it's used there, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Corrupt, when you look at what that means, it's talking about rotten fruits or vegetables. Nothing that any of us would want coming out of our mouth. But another meaning of corrupt, when you look that up, is to change something so it no longer meets a standard. If you were in the kitchen and you were cooking your signature dish, you all have one, and the devil walked in the kitchen with an apron, and he said, hey, would you mind if I stirred a few things in there? Across the room, most people would be like, the answer is no, you may not do that. But how different is it when we allow him to add things to our conversations? How different is it when we allow him to add things in our opinions of people that we're speaking? If he gets a foothold, he's always going to corrupt. If he gets a foothold, he's going to corrupt. It is why we must stay on guard. Whenever I am studying, when I need to study and I'm absolutely pressed for time and it's got to be done, I go to places, I go to coffee houses. I need a lot of noise, I need chaos, I need craziness going on because it's the only way that I can focus. Completely opposite from my wife. One thing that I read about, though, 
When you're in a place and there's a public Wi-Fi available and you have a choice between the public Wi-Fi and the hotspot, it is more secure to use your hotspot. And so it's something that I started doing. But when I started thinking about that, the reason for that is that when you are operating in an unsecured environment, bad actors can get access to the information that you have. I say that for every one of us because if you are operating in a way where you are not securely connected to God, you are just giving the devil opportunity to come in, to twist things just a little bit, to make you wonder if what you thought God said, he really said. When we're raising children, we often say, you can't take that back. And we often use that with kids with things that they say that are negative. But as a church, I believe that it's time for us to stand in the kind of boldness where we speak things and allow the devil to understand when we speak in the power of Jesus Christ, that can't be taken back, devil. When blessing is spoken, that can't be taken back. When destiny is spoken, it can't be taken back. Matthew 12, 34, it tells me this, that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My words, my deeds, my thoughts, they all flow from the heart. I read a lot of things about survival. And when it comes to survival situations, especially, let's say, in a city environment, there is this thing, and they call it the gray man theory. And the gray man theory is this. It is that if something were to happen, you want to be that gray man. You don't want to stand out as looking too much like someone who could be attacked, and you don't want to stand out about like someone who's looking for a fight. You just want to float right down the middle. And I feel like when it comes to church sometimes, we try to be the gray man. We try to just be right in the middle. We don't want to put our faith out there too much because what if I say something and people mistake me? What if I say something and, and God doesn't operate in the way that I thought he would? We shrink back. We tend to be that person. There's no neutral gear when it comes to faith. When my heart operates in Jesus Christ, my heart will begin to bring forth words of Jesus. My natural tendency as a man, like, oh, what kind of pastor is that? Because I'm the only one in the room that that applies to, right? But the heart has a natural tendency to not do things for God. You as someone who follows Christ, must be God-intentional in the things that you do. My Jeep is getting old, but I love my Jeep. It was created with a manual transmission, just as God intended. And as my Jeep has gotten older, the synchros on third gear are starting to struggle a little bit. And so when I put it into third gear, you know, I have to do that with purpose sometimes. And that's all right, because I love my Jeep, and we have an understanding. But I feel like when it comes to God things, there are times that you may just have to give a little effort to, to push it in the God direction, because it's not just going to happen on its own. There was a commercial during the 80s, and most of us have seen this, and it was that, this is your brain. And this is your brain on drugs. I mean, it was one of the most genius marketing campaigns, because it costs nothing. I mean, how much does an egg cost, right? But it spoke. Well. This is your mouth, according to James 3, 5 through 6. 
The tongue is a little member and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, it's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. That's your tongue. Outside of Jesus Christ, that's the direction that it's going to go. But this is your speech in Christ. Your purpose is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Your purpose is to carry this gospel and to see the lost come home. The reason you are called, you are appointed, and you are chosen. You are privileged and entrusted to carry that gospel. There is a mission. And what does that mission look like? Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Here's a news flash. If you are saved, then you are sent. If you are saved, then you are sent. You can't sit around waiting for the perfect opportunity for what you think ministry might look like. Get in there. Get in there. It is time for us to speak life in the name of Jesus, even in the face of things that may not look like life. Colossians 4, 6 tells me to let my speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, so that I may know how I ought to answer every man. When is always, right now. When is always, right now. It is when things look great, and it's when things look not so great. Always, you have that opportunity. As a human being, I'm limited. As I said, my words, they don't create worlds, but I serve one in whom there is no end to his power or his great love. That is whose words I speak. Your words are loaded. Load them with grace. You always have this opportunity. The beautiful thing about grace, it didn't originate in me. It originated at the throne of God before time began. It was released on a hill called Calvary. It was cemented by a stone that was rolled away in an empty tomb. It didn't start here, but it can't stop here. It didn't start with us, but it can't stop with us. And we have such a way sometimes of just being quiet because we don't want to rock the boat. It's about time to rock the boat. What is the worst that can happen? HR calls you down, and they're like, you know, you're a little excited about your church. Like, what, what is the problem? We have opportunity. There are people every day that there is a part of you when they come up, I saw somebody in church. Here's a church thing. This was a couple of months ago. Someone is talking to someone else, and I see them, and they're like rubbing their legs, saying their leg hurts right there in church. Someone drops down, and they just start praying for them. Why is that a church thing? Really? Like, think about it like I said before. There are plenty of places. I don't think anybody would kick you out of drug mart for praying for somebody. Try it. I don't know. If you get kicked out, let me know. We'll see how that went. There is no gray area when it comes to speaking life. When you repented, salvation wasn't just for your heart. It was for your mouth. Here's where God got me. If I weep, I apologize now. 
there are times that I will find myself giving my commentary about things. Giving my commentary about what I think about a situation. And the Holy Spirit will check me. And the question is, who do you think you are? And when I'm willing to be really honest, the answer is, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I felt challenged by God lately. That verse in Romans 10, and how will they hear without someone preaching? We often think that preaching is what's happening right here. You don't have to be a farmer to understand how planting goes. I feel like the Holy Spirit prompted me one day, the question just in my heart. When do you think that the ground is turned over for planting? Oh, Lord, before the seed is sown. And what do you think turns the ground? A heart of grace. Words of grace. God checks me. You say you want revival? But what are the words that you're speaking before you're in the presence of those who need me so much? What are those words that you're speaking that have the power to turn the ground or bring a famine? What are the words that you are speaking? Have you come to the point where you speak from such a self-made pedestal that you hate the sinner but not the chains that bind them? That verse talking about a preacher, a preacher's words don't always mean a preacher's heart. But a preacher's heart will always bring a preacher's words. I say that because the times that we're in are times that we can walk in a way of gentleness. We can walk in a way of godly respect. We can cultivate grace behind the scenes. Romans 8.25 tells me this, but if we hope for it that we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I want God's best, and I hope for God's best in the lives of others. You know, standing here, you'd be like, what's he talking about? I have worked with young people for decades. One of the hardest things as a pastor is to see so many young people that I have worked with going through a period of deconstruction of their faith, where the world is telling them that the way you were raised and the things you were taught, that is so incorrect, and it was a spirit of religion, and it put you on a wrong path, and any unhappiness in your life is related to church and to God and everything else. And when I think of those young people, do you know what I see? I see the chains that are on them. And in a holy anger, I hate those chains. But when I see those young people, we hug them and we love them. And we speak life. I say that because I can't save, but Jesus can. I have the opportunity, though, to walk in grace. 
Several years ago, I had the opportunity to work on boats at the marina, to detail boats. And whenever you would get a boat really clean, it would shine. It would shine to the point where you would need sunglasses on because if the light hit it just the right way. And it reminds me of the fact that when things are clean, they often shine. When your heart is clean in Jesus Christ, it's going to shine and it's going to reflect. Speak life, church. I don't want to live like the old me. I don't want to speak like the old me because that man is dead. I want to live in line with the calling. I want to do what Ephesians 4 talks about, walking worthy of the calling that is on me. Because Jesus Christ saw the best in me, even knowing the depths of my worst, he saw the best in me. You are by no means perfect, but you can practice walking in grace. There's only so much space. Fill it up wisely. On our vacation... There's one place that I really love. It's called Ohana. It's a restaurant, Polynesian theme, tiki stuff going on, really good food. I don't know how many courses of food they have, right? But there's only so much space, fill it wisely. When they bring out the salad, oh, that salad dressing, that's good stuff. It's good. Then they bring this warm pineapple bread. It's good, right? But then the menu's in front of you, and you're like, the pot stickers, what? The pot stickers were good, huh? Yeah, changed Dina's life. Then these chicken wings. I was all about these chicken wings, right? Like, good, good, good. Then steak comes, and then shrimp comes. But here's the truth. Anyone who knows me or anything about me with Ohana the best part is the pineapple custard bread pudding at the end. I can literally eat my body weight in that stuff, right? But you got to watch on filling up with what you think is good because you will not have room for what is great. In some strange way, it tends to fill us up when we criticize other people. Because it comes easy. Because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Because we can usually always find someone to listen. It isn't right, but in the flesh, it can feel really good. But I'm telling you this, church, the best is coming. Do not settle. The best is coming. If we fill our hearts with the great love of Jesus Christ, then only sweet things will come forth. I'm, I'm going to close in a moment. There was a quote that I saw that I loved. Our words put our heart's condition on exhibition. If you have heard nothing else that I've said today, I want you to hear this verse. If there is one thing that all of us, like if you could just commit to praying this verse this week, commit to walking in this verse, it is Psalm 141, verse 3, and the word says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. We all have problems when it comes to our mouth sometimes, right? You know, when... 
you're in church for a while, you can gossip like the best of them, but you can turn it in a way where it's like concern and prayer request. Just being real. Got the mic. Just being real. We can do things, and it's been said, different levels, different devils, right? Like, the devil will be crafty, and he will trick even the wisest Christian into think that they are using their mouth for God's purpose, but they can be using it for the devil's purpose. And I say that we cannot allow that. We need to be deliberate in what we do. Why is that? Because when I read the book of Mark, I understand that I need to begin to use my words for Jesus because there are mountains that we need to speak to in Jesus' name that need to be cast into the sea. When I read in Isaiah these words, that there's an anointing on these lips to bring good news to those who are afflicted, to bring God liberty to captives, and to bring freedom to those who are in prison. From Joshua 5. I read that there are some walls that we've been walking around for a while that this mouth's going to be used to give a victory shout so that those walls fall flat. When you know how to shout, you will learn how to speak. And there are some things that God has done in our lives that we need to begin to shout the glory to him when he does it. Nothing. I am telling you what, it is amazing. I remember when the Cavs won and I was driving home from a meeting for summer camp. I didn't even need to listen to the radio because I heard fireworks, shotguns, car horns, men screaming at the top of their lungs. Nothing could hold back the celebration that Cleveland had finally won something. And I feel like when it comes to God, we're so timid sometimes. And again, why? You know what, really, and I'm just going to be real about it. Like when we are in a service and it is just, the worship is kicking and I know God has done some things and we're just like, yeah, I don't want to really raise any suspicion. I'm just going to, worship's good. And I'm thinking like, shout, shout like God has done something in your life. Give him some glory because if you can shout, I mean, really, I came home and Dina's like, oh, that game, that game. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot it was on because you know, I love the sports. But then I think about the things that God has done. It is time to give him glory. If you will stand. Here is my prayer for us as a church. God, set your guard on our mouth. Let the words that come out manifest the power of faith in Jesus Christ. Let the words be spoken when we are away from the field where we're going to sow seed. Before we even pick up the bag with the seed in it, let our words of grace begin to turn the soil. That's what I am praying. Before we pray, I'm going to share something with you. I have been asking God for opportunity. God, I want to see revival. And almost immediately, God's answer would be, you mean in the walls or outside of the walls? I'm ready for outside of the walls. 
God has been stirring something. There is an opportunity which I am hoping will come together. I am asking you as a church to agree with me for opportunity outside of these walls. I want to be able to go where it smells like sheep. I want sheep. I want it to be God's thing. Oh, I love church. I love God's people. But I love when you feel the Holy Spirit somewhere that people would never even think that God would show up. That's what it's about. If you bow your heads, let's pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you, Lord, would check us in our words. I pray that we would speak with grace. Father, I pray that we would believe for your best in every situation and that we would be your agents here on this earth. Lord, I pray, just like the walls of Jericho came down, that you would take away our idea of the walls of this church. Open it up, Lord. Allow us to be your hands and feet in this community. Send us where the sheep are, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.